episode number 230, Pastoring Communicators and Creatives with Ben Stapley. Part two. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey guys, thanks for hanging out this week. This week on the show, we will wrap my conversation up with my friend Ben Stapley, all about how to pastor communicators and creatives. And this week, we're going to give you practical steps on how to pastor in, uh, as well as some other things. And so we want you to uh, realize how to take care of yourself so that you can pastor others well. So we're going to jump right back to my interview with Ben to kick things off this week. Here we go. All right, let's round this out. So tell me about ask, uh, asking to be spiritually acknowledged. Uh, so this is fun, right? So we can sometimes give ourselves a, a spiritual pecking order for church employees, and we'll put on the top, you know, we'll go through the, the top to the bottom. On the top, it's the lead pastor. Maybe you got the associate. Uh, you got small groups pastor, family. Um, then you might have your admin staff, janitorial. And on the, on the very bottom, you might have the communicators and the creatives. Oh, they, they come into work late. They stay up late. They, um, sometimes they would watch R rated movies, um, uh, you know, as research. Uh, so wh- whatever it is, we can sometimes decry them and say, Hey, they are, they're a little less, they're a little less spiritual than the rest of us. Um, which is a, which is a false notion on, on a number of, of levels. You know, Jesus picked fishermen, right? He didn't look for, he didn't look for, seminary degrees. Uh, he didn't look for a professional religious type to be his disciples. He looked for tradesmen and tradeswomen to move his ministry forward. So we're all aware of that. Um, but this is the other thing I flag is that these people, these communicators and creatives can oftentimes make twice as much in the marketplace as they do in the church. Yeah. And so they are self-sacrificially saying, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to forego a higher salary because I love Jesus so much. And so I'm not trying to say they're the highest on the pecking order, but I'm saying the ground is level here. Let's not confuse ourselves and say that some staff members are more spiritual or love Jesus more just because of their role and their title. They might be because that's their walk, but as a groups of people, we can't categorize people that way. And sometimes it feels like uh, as a creative and a communicator church that you're doing it, but... Mm, you're not as spiritual. And so I always encourage people, if you're, if you're wired that way, as, as a leader, as you're, as you're pastoring these people down, let them know the spiritual significance of what they're doing. So, hey, that, that social media post was great. We anticipate more people are going to come to Christ this Christmas season because of that. Um, your, your copy had no spelling mistakes. It was distraction-free. And because of that, you've got everyone's eye on the prize, which is, again, Jesus, thank you for doing that, for using your, so it's just making sure that you're able to spiritually, um, to praise these people, not just for their art and the, the, the art itself, but the outcome, not just the art, but the outcome. What you're doing is pointing more people to Christ. Thank you for being spiritually engaged here. That yeah. goes a long way for creatives and communicators. I've used this approach for volunteers as well. So one piece that I say is, is compliment three times more than you critique. Um, Yes. So, uh, so I, I think it, it matters to hear praise and not just criticism all the time. So if I can consciously say, 
be in a mindset of encourage, encourage, encourage. And then when I come around with the critique, it might, might not be taken so harshly um, if it's couched so much yeah. in encouragement. Um, as, as a leader and as a manager, I've, I've heard it said, and this is very convicting because it hits me between the eyes, that if you were to walk down, if I was to walk down the hallway and I saw you, um, you know, and say, hey, Carl, um, do you mind if I have a second for you? How would people respond intuitively? Would they say, I would love to. Does any conversation with Ben is value add? I know I'm going to be celebrated um, primarily. I'm going to get some coaching and then maybe some critique. Or would they go, this person, this guy or gal wants to talk to me. I, ergo, I know it's, it's something I've done wrong. Hmm. And if I do a gut check, I think for myself, it's more the latter. That, do you mind if we talk? <laughs> it's, it's not celebration. It's not praise because right. I, I, I inverse those things. And so that is, that's something that hits me between the eyes because I know right. I'm not there yet. Good. All right. Give me into pastoring down. Yeah. So you, you alluded to this already. Whatever we want for ourselves, we need to be willing to give to others. So this is for, this is for staff that you might manage, but more importantly, it's because there's a bigger pool of people. It's for the volunteers that you oversee as well. How to make sure that they are receiving the same, um, these same course corrections, so they don't burn out. Because burnout is just not just for staff. Burnout is reality for creative and, and um, communication volunteers as well. The first thing I say is give them opportunities to fail. So um, we all do our best work when we have some margin for failure, some area to do that, right? We all know that, hey, Google, they, they gave staff X amount of percentage of their time to, just, to, to, to do R&D, trial and error, to, to test things out and, and to do things that weren't on their job description. Uh, that's true for all employees. It's even higher for creatives and communicators. They find, their, they find the majority of their best work through trial and error. So you have to give them those venues. Now, I was... It's kind of pump the brakes here because you have some, you know, LPs or XPs saying, wait, <laughs> is the service going to be a trial and error? So you need to give them those areas, but then you need to give them clear areas that they can do that. So, okay. Right. Um, our, our, our Easter service is not going to be trial and error, uh, but there's upcoming youth retreat and uh, the youth pastor is up for anything and we'll try any idea that's out there. Why don't we throw some of those creative ideas that we, we want to do maybe in the service experience. Um, let's beta test them and the youth retreat. There's an area to fail. Um, staff um, meetings. Um, staff meetings are, you know, Christ Fellowship Miami. Once a week, we have a 90 minute all staff gathering. And for us, we get a chance to, to try out a lot of in-service elements there because we know, Hey, it's, it's staff. And if it's not a home run, um, they're not gonna get. They're not gonna ding us on it. They're gonna be a lot more gracious. So give them those opportunities, and then give them a demarcation where they can swing and miss, and where they need to swing and, and hit hit the fences. Good. Uh, it's the first thing I'd say. Yeah. The, the, the second thing is um, giving them clear and consistent feedback language. Uh, I'm I'm sure you get this, uh, working with a lot of clients at Twelve Thirty Media, where they give you feedback on a piece, and it's it's not clear. Is it? Is it actionable or is it just a suggestion? So I've always, I've always worked with that when I've received praise from a client. Um, are you just brainstorming ideas and spitballing things or do you really need this to get changed? So, um, so I use clear language with them where it's, uh, I'm going to give you instruction. This is something that needs to get changed. It's, it's objectively wrong. There's a typo uh, on page two um, or it's more subjective and it's a suggestion. 
hey, take it or leave it. This, you know, this color, I would have gone for a, a pale blue instead of a, um, a teal blue, you know, it's just a suggestion, take it or leave it. And then making sure those demarcate, that's clear between those two aspects of feedback is super helpful. And then some of the other things we talked about, praising them as well. Um, and then I always give um, notes. So this isn't something actionable now, but it's for the future. So um, you know what, the, the talent you selected for this video wasn't very energetic. Uh, down the road, if it's going to be a hype video, we need to have somebody who can hype something. At this point, it's too little too late. You captured it. We don't have time to go back, but in the, down the road, um, be aware that you need to choose talent to reflect the emotion and energy of the video. So that, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'd love to hear your feedback. I found that super helpful for just speeding up the feedback process instead of all these subjective things back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, I think a lot of times with us, so... Um, and th this has happened in the church. It's also happened with de dealing with clients. I think some of the worst feedback is like, nah, something else. You know, just just yeah. not not giving any any uh, thing up front, and then when received, yeah. it's nah, I don't like it. Something else. You know, so maybe a note to uh, you know leadership to say, you know, get us in the ballpark as a creative. If you if you're doing a series on whatever and you have in your mind, you know, if you're doing Jonah and you really want to see a whale, uh, then tell us that you want to see a whale. And so we can go. So don't get three or four rounds of revisions deep and say, well, what I was thinking since the beginning was I really wanted to see a whale. <laughs> well, why didn't you tell me that three rounds ago? So if, if you can help the creative on the front end. Um, that that's helpful if possible. Have you run into that? Yeah, a lot. And I, I guess I was even working with the assumption that that's the starting point um, before you even get to the feedback process, that a clear objective that what, what yeah. we're trying to do. Uh, and then I'll, with, with, with a client, you know, the, the client, you see, so, you know, you say the client, but the lead, pad, whoever's making the credit request in the church is I'll always try to ask up front. Um, do, like, do you have a, do you have a clear vision of what you want? Or do you, do you want us to help you clarify your vision? Because sometimes, I'm sure you've done this before, um, there is a clear vision from the client and yeah. the lead pastor, whoever's making the request, and this, but they soft sell it. And um, I'm, I'm looking for Jonah, maybe a fish metaphor, I'm not entirely sure. And then the creative team runs with it and say, he said maybe fish, but you know, wouldn't it be cool if we used a donkey? And then they, just, they go rabbit trailing and you bring it back to them and, and they just weren't explicit with saying, no, no, I know exactly what I want. Um, it's this yeah. huge fish and we see Jonah and I always see him in the belly. Um, and so just being clear on that, like, do you have a clear vision or are you asking us to help clarify your vision? And right. then we kind of know where we are in the process that helps tremendously up front. That's good. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. So give particular praise. Tell me about that one. So I was at a church and this is stuck. It's 20 years ago and it's clearly stuck with me because I can know it off the top of my head. I was at a church uh, in Chicago, close to the theatrical district, and we had a lot of actors. We had a lot of actors on our volunteer team who acted professionally. So we had incredible spoken word and monologues and sketches, all that stuff. And a guy did a piece. Uh, it was particularly riveting, and I connected with him in the green room afterwards, and I told him, hey, great job. And he looked at me and said, at what? <laughs> And I was tongue-tied and I hadn't thought it through. And I said, at everything. Uh, and he looked me square in the eyes and he said, hey, he said, um, generic praise means nothing. But particular praise means everything. 
And that stuck with me ever since. And he said, he saw me, but you weren't actually watching me. You weren't actually paying attention. He's like, great job. That means nothing to me. And I would say that applies to all communication, creative, artistic disciplines. Hey, good job. Good job at what? That doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. Um, give particular praise. And so find something that you actually liked about that. Uh, and, and this, this is the, the, the challenge, or maybe not the challenge, the encouragement I give to people. You don't necessarily need to know everything about their artistic discipline to right. do this. Uh, right. I, I was recently uh, interacting with a graphic design, the design team, um, and they had a, a great lower third, and um, it had some elements that were, were branching out of it, and it made it three-dimensional. And I just said, you know, I, um, it, I, I, I don't know how you're doing that, but I'm drawn into that because it isn't static. It isn't boring. And I wasn't using the right vernacular and I wasn't speaking exactly the way they speak, but they understood what I meant and they appreciated me reaching across the aisle yeah. and trying to speak into what they did well. And you could, you know, the shoulders went back. They, you could see them receiving that instead of just good job. No, I picked out something in particular that they did well. Uh, and that means that means the world to anybody in these fields. Tell me about how sometimes you take, the ideas of someone else so their ideas are better than your ideas yeah so if you're if you're trying to pastor down sometimes you can come in at least you know say so these are all things that i've wrestled with over the years and so i got a feeling some of these people listening are wrestling with these as well where i can come into a brainstorming meeting or a pitch meeting and i can come in with my idea and because i think my idea is great we're going to run with it even if your idea is good, I think mine is better enough that we're going to run with it. Uh, but I encourage, I've, I've learned this lesson over years that if my idea is great and their idea is good, choose their good idea. A um, couple reasons, right? It's, it's still a little subjective. An idea is how do we evaluate one idea versus another? That's a pretty subjective art form. Uh, I'm going to be a little biased because it's my idea. So I think I automatically think it's better. Um, and then, but here's the more, most important thing. If you let them run with their good idea, they're gonna execute it way better than your great idea because it's theirs. They're excited for it. They've been thinking about it for a long time. They're gonna have personal buy-in to make sure it gets across the finish line. So if somebody comes, uh, you know, lead pastors, executive pastors, and they present a good idea, but you have a great one, take their good idea uh, again and again. The only caveat I have is, you know, it's, it's got to be good compared to great. If they come in with a mediocre or a poor idea, then you can't take that. But as much as you can release people to their ideas, they're going to win. They're going to thrive. And that idea is going to blow you out of the water. And it's going to be way better than what you initially um, brought to the table. So take theirs. Uh, and then the last thing in terms of past. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, the last thing in terms of the pastoring down is I encourage the side hustle. So this is sometimes this is um, kind of sacred ground for a lot of churches that, hey, um, we can't encourage a side hustle. We can't even allow a side hustle. And so I know there might be some people listening at this point saying, I disagree, uh, but I would encourage it for, for a lot of different reasons. Um, in the past, uh, I've heard it said this way before, that um, you know, for a boomer or even a Gen X, that the organization kind of owned you. That, hey, you're here, you're here for the next 20 to 30 years. Uh, at the end, we're going to reward you and give you a great retirement. Those days are gone. Those mm -hmm. days are long gone. Uh, and millennials and the younger are entering and are, have been in the workplace for a long time, and they come in with a high degree of skepticism that you are not going to take care of them as an organization and that they need to take care of themselves. And because of that, the organization doesn't own them. The organization is renting them. 
And the faster leaders can adopt this mindset, the faster, the longer they're going to have that younger staff on staff. It's funny. I was, um, I was talking with a church recently uh, up in Canada from where I'm at, was, uh, coaching the lead pastor there and talking about this and saying, Hey, on average right now, that millennial is staying at their workplace for three and a half years. And I was, I was trying to say, we need to, some things to do to keep them longer. And I was saying, and look, if we, if we hit seven years, that's great. And he was saying, he felt defeated. He said seven years and they're, you know, and they're going to balance. That's where the bar is. And I said, that's twice as long as the, as the marketplace right now. If you hit seven years, that's a huge success. So I, I come in it that way. Three and a half years, if I can double that, that's a win. Anything beyond that is, is extra. That's the cherry on the topic. But I, that's the goal I'm aiming for. What's the average in, in the, the, the marketplace? And can we double that as a church and keep these people plugged in longer? To do that is to allow side hustles. Um, so people going outside of their, their regular job um, and getting additional income as well. There's some caveats that I give. Uh, I'd say there's probably some additional benefits there that you receive. So these people, obviously, when they, they go, they're, they're blossoming somewhere else. They're bringing that back with them when they come back in. It's probably something that's similar to their craft. So if they're a musician, they might side gig uh, and, and do weddings. Uh, if it's a graphic designer, they might be working for the local donut shop down the street and making their graphic, whatever it is. They have, they have uh, marketable skills that, that as they use them outside the workplace, they're going to bring in that expertise back with them and make the church, make your organization better. So allow that. The two caveats I give is um, for myself, as I do side hustles, you know, like lead people to where you're at, uh, is first of all, make sure you crush it here before you crush it there. So I should not be side hustling anywhere if I'm not, first of all, uh, doing a phenomenal job and getting high on my performance reviews year over year in my organization. If I'm not, then I, I shouldn't be spending all this additional time somewhere else. Right. Uh, and then the second thing is when you're here, um, you're here. So when you, when I'm, you know, my work hours, I'm, I'm in the office, I'm working from home, um, that there's not a doubt uh, with who I report to or anyone on staff that I am fully present. So you shouldn't be able to look over my shoulder um, when I'm working for the organization and see, hey, are you, are you working on your blog post? <laughs> What's that I see on your screen? Uh, there shouldn't be a whiff of that. Um, if, if so, it really compromises uh, your your uh, authenticity and your ability to do this. But if you do those two things, I completely encourage side hustles to double the duration of my staff to stay. Two questions. One, even if it's in the same field, so I can design for the church and I can design for someone else. I can make videos for the church and I can make videos for someone else, even if it's in the same field. Yeah, so um, for, for sure, because I would say those are skills that you're going to come back into the workplace and get better. I would, I would say it's cross-discipline, but I'd say it's got, it's got more benefit if I'm a videographer and I'm, I'm doing weddings on the side. Because, you know what, um, I, I, learned, I learned about the Dutch angle. Oh, it's, it's when I do this. I'm going to bring that back into the workplace now, and a lot of my, my videos are going to have more energy because they're tilted on their side. Um, the, the other caveat here, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't give any, it's like kind of me personally, I'd like to hear you're you bringing it up. I'm sure there's attention for you. That is an attention for me. The other tension I, I didn't mention is, is compensation, you know, where um, oftentimes our heart follows the money. So if your side hustle becomes your predominant um, income generating, 
uh, your revenue generation for you personally, your heart's going to naturally go there as well. And, I, and I'm, so I'm upfront with that with my leadership. I ask my, my direct reports as well that, hey, if you this thing blossoms on the side, uh, that's great. Just let's have this conversation and be upfront about it so I know where it's going. Because if it becomes your major income, then you're going to naturally want to go where that's at. And I understand that. Let's, not, let's just not be uh, surprised by it, you or me, as you continue to do that. Mm-hmm. So th- that's, that's, my, that's my safeguard. Why, is, or why are you at least pushing in onto a similar discipline? Why'd you bring that up? I'm curious. Um, uh, this has is, this is, uh, been my experience, and it's well, I've seen others struggle with this uh, very thing as well uh, in church world, that churches will be very hesitant to allow side hustles um, if they find out one, it's either the same field or two, they're making money on the side hustle. So you mentioned both. So you mentioned the compensation as well. Um, So I've just, I've had my own experience with this. And then I've talked to a lot of other uh, creatives, especially in the church that um, it's getting more and more common. Like the churches can't stop it um mm-hmm. as much anymore um but you know years ago and i've been in this for for a long time so years ago it was kind of it could have been you know seen as you know something bad to have a side hustle or no we're not going to allow that mm-hmm. um c- kind of thing so yeah all right so get us yeah. into you, go ahead what yeah well you, you mentioned you you can't stop it you're right and so like that false notion of coming back to the, an old, uh, a different generation's perspective of the employee that I own you and you cannot do anything that I don't say that, that, that isn't true. And that has never been true. Right. Um, we're just more aware of it because social media now, right. and I would much rather my, my direct reports being up front with me. Hey, this weekend, uh, uh, there's an extreme sport thing going and I'm, I'm taking photos for them. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear what you learned from that this coming weekend. Way right. to go. That's, that's incredible. And, that, and, and, and to see it on their social media feed and for them to not have to sulk and pretend it's not happening or to live this duplicit life, like that, that, is this, that reeks of unhealth to me in an organization and in, a, in an individual. And so like, whatever we have to do to, to stop pretending is a healthy and, and, and then a positive thing. I don't know if my solutions yeah. are necessarily the right ones or the ones lined up, but, but I know those days of, of pretending gosh, if we, if, if the church can't be a place where you can be honest, where do we have, where, where can we do that? You know, I come into the light. We found freedom in the light. Um, and, and then if it's, if it's, if the lead pastor struggles with that sense of, I don't own this person, Jesus has bought this person, you know, they ultimately report to him. I think that's a different situation, but the, the, the era of, um, of doing things on the DL I just think is very unhealthy and toxic and the church needs to figure out how to break that. And I think as leadership, the fastest way that you could probably alienate a millennial, especially or creative um, is to use that ownership language. Well, yeah, I, you're supposed to be everything that I'm, I mean, I'm going to push back on that. I'm going to go time out. No, 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 Mm -hmm. you don't. Now I'm going to kill it when I'm here. And I'm going to mm-hmm. give it all I got when mm-hmm. I'm here, but you don't, mm-hmm. you don't own my time elsewhere. Um, so, you know, especially if I'm taking a pay cut yeah. for ministry and I'm doing a side hustle to support my family even more so that I can 
uh, you know, still work in ministry also, you know, anyway. Yes. And, and I think there's a, there's a difference between, you can ask an employee to be all in. That's like language that we use around at Christ Fellowship. Hey, are you all in here? Do you, do you bleed CF? Are you passionate about what's going on? But it doesn't mean you are only about Christ Fellowship or this right. is all you are about. You are right. all in here and there are other dimensions of who you are. And I want to know that and I want to celebrate right. that. So I think that that's a false dichotomy that you can't be all in here and have something additionally. So I, I'm just, Very I, I, I can break that. I'm Very true. It. Yeah. I, uh, that language of all in is, is interesting to me. I've wrestled with that before because there mm-hmm. is that tension of all in means you do nothing else but us. Like, uh, no, yes. I can be all in with the mission. I can be a hundred percent on board with the mission and also do other things too. Um, Cool. All right. Get us into the last section, pastoring in. This is more self-care. Uh, this is more about pastoring our, ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and I'll say this as well. All your, your watchers and your listeners are going to struggle in one of these three areas predominantly. Cards on the table, this is mine. So this is how do I take care of myself? Um, I was, you know, recently, my wife and I, we end of the year, we kind of do like a personal year-end evaluation. Hey, what would we have changed differently? How do we want to see 2020 look different than 2019? And like one of the things for me was just uh, continued additional boundaries with professional and personal life. And, you know, and she's a counselor. She's kind of pushing into that. Like, you know, why is that? What's, what's driving you there? And it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a false notion that all of my identity comes from my work and my, from, from my profession. And, and that's why when I'm at the table eating meals, I, she can see that I'm mentally, not, I'm physically there, but I'm mentally, I'm, I'm solving problems for somewhere else. And I know for myself, though, I need to pastor in more and I need to have those boundaries. Um, some of the ways that I, I've learned to do that over the years, the one, first one is I, I strive for excellence and not perfection. So this is another code phrase in the church world that you've probably heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we strive for excellence. Um, we say that, but what we've meant in the past or what we could have meant in the past is we strive for perfection. Uh, we strive for excellence and we do not accept anything less than perfection. And if you do, you might be on the way out. And so I am clear that there's, there's only one source of my perfection and that's my savior. He stands as my perfection. I'm, I'm going to start to preach here. He's my perfection. My work is not my perfection. My organization is not my perfection. My local church is not that. I'll still strive for excellence, but it will not become a God. It's, it's been a God in the church world for, you know, for a while, and we need to break that. And so that's something I do. I, I take heart as well. This is a story I like to say in relationship to, to Peter Jackson. I don't know if you're a Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. fan. I, I thought that trilogy was great. The Hobbit, eh, I can take it or leave it. But the, the original trilogy, uh, he nailed it. And the interviewer was talking to him and said, hey, you've, you've committed 10 years of this of your life. Um, critically acclaimed, publicly acclaimed, everyone loves it. Uh, did you get it right? Uh, did you get it perfect? And he said, you never get it perfect. You just run out of time. And if he's able to say that after spending a decade of his life on an artistic artifact, then we on our newsletters and our graphic designs and our social media posts uh, within the church need to be able to set that as well. It's not going to get perfect. We're just going to run out of time. And having that as a framework helps give me some sanity and then the sanity of the people that I'm trying to lead. Yeah. 
So second note on this is don't start something until you have someone. What do you mean by that? Mm. So oftentimes in the church world, we are playing that comparison and competitive game. Who's the bigger boy or the bigger girl down the street? And how can we be, be like them? So we're oftentimes trying to start initiatives that we don't have the bandwidth to see through. And so you talked about being the one man show, right? At a church, mm -hmm. uh, smaller or mid-sized ch churches. Um, you may be full-time, you may be part-time. You might be voluntold to do these things. And well, guess what? Uh, there's always gonna be more um, artistic disciplines. So, you know, hey, there was the, the written word and then there was the photo and there was the video. There's always new artistic disciplines coming, additional ones. With, um, and there's also, um, additional communication channels. So at first it was just satisfying as a church to have a newsletter or a bulletin. And then it was a website and then it was a Facebook page. Now it's, you need to have all the platforms. And if you don't, you're, you're a light and you're, you're a dinosaur. And so with that in mind, it is tempting to be the single guy or the single girl to take all that weight on your shoulders. And I know it was for myself. I was in a church environment like that where for about eight years, I was the only, only staff member that oversaw this stuff. And I just kept on taking more and more and more until I was getting to that burnout phase. And I had that conversation with my lead founder. I said, you know what? We're going to take a step back. Uh, I want to take a step back now to ultimately take two or three steps forward. And this thing you want me to do, or this thing that we have been doing, we've been taking photos for every one of our major events and then posting them. You know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going I'm to stop personally doing that for the next six months, for the next three months, whatever it is. And I'm going to spend that time recruiting volunteers building up a volunteer base and then after i found them and i trained them and i released them and i coached them then uh we're going to be able to capture more events because it's no longer on my shoulders i'm not the doer i'm the leader i'm the recruiter and so uh, coming back to that phrase don't start something new until you have someone to do it to have that volunteer or that volunteer team to overdo it we're just going to keep on adding and adding uh and getting burnt out and burnt out so that's i, I found that helpful especially whatever size, even, you know, larger churches, you don't have endless money. Um, there's always new things you want to do. Whatever size church you are, this applies to all churches across the board. You might say, oh, big churches don't, all churches struggle with this. Um, so don't start it until you have this, until you have the person. Okay, so let's wrap this section. And this is the, the biggest problem that we initially started talking about. And that is some people can leave the job, leave the church, but not, but some people are leaving their savior uh, because they're not dealing with these uh, pastoring I issues. Mm -hmm. So tell me how we always can leave the job, but we should never leave the savior. Yeah. So, and so some people are probably listening and they're probably, uh, they're probably burnt out. They're, they might be fried and they're saying, yeah, as I've been listening to this, I've been job searching at the same time and I'm looking to bounce and, and I'm not telling everybody they need to stay or, I'm not advocating for that. Sometimes there's situations that are toxic that you need to leave. But some, the majority of situations are redeemable and fixable and salvageable and, and could flourish. So if that's the case, I encourage people to push into that. I know for myself, uh, reading different books, uh, Emotional Healthy Leader, um, going to counseling sessions with counselors that particularly knew how to talk to staff members um, in that environment. Those, those have been life-giving for myself. And so if I try to pastor in, to keep myself in the game for as long as possible, uh, that's being hugely beneficial. And I encourage people uh, to do that as, as well. Whatever steps they need to take, that, that pastoring up, um, down or in, oftentimes it's in, 
figure out what that action step is out of this conversation and take it um, in 2020 so that uh, you're not, you're not doing the same insanity any yeah. longer. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for your time. Give me some additional thoughts as we wrap. Um, give me any kind of final concluding thoughts on this idea of yeah. pastoring creatives. Yeah. The uh, something I found to be helpful, I'll, I'll give a story to back it up, is to ultimately, we're ultimately trying to worship the gift giver, not the gift, right? And so I found this helpful for myself to give myself the bigger perspective, not just the temporal perspective, but the eternal perspective. And to realize that um, my gifts are going to wane. My ability to, to, to perceive an experience and to give coaching and to my imagination will probably diminish as well. And uh, let's dream up this and let's dream up that. That ability for Ben Stapley is going to start to do this over time. And so my gift is going to dissipate. When it does, am I still a robust person? Am I still a full person? Or have I been spending the past lifetime worshiping my gift and not the gift giver? Uh, I was in a church environment where I had a sound engineer and he started to lose his hearing. And when you lose your hearing, you lose the high frequencies first. And so uh, he did construction for 20 years. And so his ears were shocked by the end of it. And when feedback came in that high e pitch, he was the last one to hear it. So everyone else in the audience and the congregation heard it first. And he was the last one before he would bring it down and course correct. And it happened one Sunday. I was like, okay, maybe an anomaly. And then it happened the next Sunday. I was like, oh, it's a repeat pattern. I might need to have a difficult conversation here. And then the third Sunday, he came up to me before he ran sound. And tears in his eyes. And he said, Ben, this is going to be the last Sunday I can run sound. And I was like, tell me more about it, John. And he said, construction's beat up my ears. I can no longer hear the high frequency. And I know that even though I love this, um, I no longer have that gift mix to serve the congregation well. And because of that, I'm going to step out and stop serving on this team. I'll find another avenue to, to serve, um, but I, I can't serve in this particular role anymore. And again, tears were coming. At this point, tears are coming down both of our faces. And he said, and he said, and to be clear, he said, he goes, the tears are tears of sorrow because I, I've lost this gift. He said, but they're also tears of joy because I'm still God's son. I'm still adopted into this family. And I still can't wait till I get to heaven and I can hear with crystal clear clarity. And he had the bigger picture. And I was, I was young. I was like 25 when, you know, when this happened. And I was like, I want to be like you at the end of the day, at the end of the game, when my, when my skills dissipate, I want to be, how do I, how do I live my life now? So I get there and become like you. Um, you see in that Revelations 5 passage, right? It's um, people are worshiping around um, the resurrected Savior. It's, um, it's a lamb as though it's been slain. And you have living creatures and elders and, um, and you have all nations around. You, you don't have graphic designers. You don't have social media managers. You don't have videographers. You have who we are in our essence. And so for me, keeping that eternal perspective uh, helps me pastor in. And that's what I encourage uh, everybody to do. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. I love that story to end on. And uh, man, thank you so much for your time. Uh, again, this is something I could talk about with you all day long um, because, you know, it's, it's all about, it's not about the perfect worship experience. It's not about the perfect design, pushing the buttons correctly. It's all about life change. And if we're not seeing mm -hmm. life change happen in our church and also in our staff and volunteers, then the perfect worship experience doesn't, doesn't matter. 
Um, and so, uh, I love it, man. Um, thank you so much for your time and, and your friendship. Appreciate it, man. Excellent, Carl. Thanks so much for having me here. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Hey guys, Carl here. I want to tell you about my ebook, Pastor First, 15 Ways to Win the Hearts of Your Volunteers. Pastoring your people is the secret sauce to building a dynamic volunteer culture at your church. You have to care more about who your volunteers are becoming over what they do on your team. In this ebook, I share 15 practical ways to make people your first priority in your tech ministry. From knowing their name and their story, to scheduling intentional time outside of serving, to how to set them up for success, this ebook gives you a practical guide to pastoring your people well. Pick up a copy today at 1230.media forward slash books. You can download it straight to your desktop or your favorite e-reader. I pray the book will give you some steps to show your team that you care more about them than what they do on your team. As if you can't tell, the content of today's podcast is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, we can have the best worship experience in the world, but if we're not pastoring our people well, then it doesn't matter. So you can hit the button the right way. We can have the best lighting, the best audio, the best video, the best guest experience. But if people's lives aren't being changed, and that are, those are the guests that are coming to our church as well as the people in our church, our volunteers, our staff members, if we're not pastoring everyone well, if we're not loving God and loving people with everything we are, we can have the best worship experience, but it, it won't matter if we're not doing those things. Okay, And I'm not perfect at this. This is not something that I'm the end-all be all at. I'm just, this is just a reminder of stuff that we already know. It's all about loving God and loving people. So I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, take the content from today's episode that Ben shared and use it for your church, use it for yourself. Also, you can pick up my uh, Pastor First ebook that gives you 15 practical ways uh, to love on your volunteers and love on the people that you serve. Very, very practical ideas. This is not thing. Th these aren't things I'm going to blow your mind with. Okay. So you can get that book at 1230.media forward slash books. Feel free to, to pick that up. It's a, a kind of a, uh, a green uh, color uh, on the cover. It's got a heart on it with a diamond on it. Pastor first, 15 ways to win the hearts of your volunteers. Pick that up today. I've been telling you about our, our brand new 1230 Media app, and our team is so excited about this. We want you to download it on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Either one, you can pick it up. And uh, we want you to uh, download it and then go into the settings and make sure that the notifications uh, are turned on. We're not going to blow you up. This isn't a, uh, a spam kind of thing. Uh, we want to encourage you. We're going to send you encouraging notes. We're going to pray for you. We're going to send you exclusive deals from our website. We're going to send you the podcast a day early every single week uh, just for having the, the app on your phone. Okay? So we want to be there for you. We want to come alongside you and encourage you. So 1230 uh, Media, the app uh, is available now on the App Store and the Google Play Store. So be sure to pick it up.
Next week on the show, I welcome my friend James Wassum back to the podcast. Now, James is a master of live audio production. So we're going to really dive into live audio training next week. So if you're in the live environment, if you touch the audio console, if you lead audio volunteers, uh, the next two episodes of the podcast is an audio-heavy uh, uh, series on with James. So we're going to really dive in. He's written a brand new book called Great Live Sound, all about how to uh, have the best sound and best mix in your worship experience that you can uh, possibly have. So if you touch uh, the audio console in any way, shape, or form, this week and next week is, uh, or next week and the next, rather, uh, are the episodes directly aimed at you. Okay, so be here for that with James. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching. Again, we can have the best worship experience but I want to encourage you that life change it's where it is where it's at. Love God, love people. That's what we want to encourage our congregation, our staff, our volunteers to do. So go out there and create some incredible worship experiences this week so that that can happen. I'll see you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.